Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we are looking at Parashat Vaera, the second Parsha in the Book of Shemot, which has the first seven of the plagues. And what I wanted to look at today is the topic of the hardening of Paro's heart. And there are many questions about the notion of free will and heart. And did God harden Paro's heart? Did he harden his own heart? What does it mean that he hardened his own heart? And frankly, we could teach an entire semester's long course on this topic. But what I wanted to look at today is the progression of the hardening of Paro's heart and what it can teach us about exactly what happened to Paro throughout the process of the plagues. Now, we're first introduced to the idea of the hardening of Paro's heart in the beginning of chapter seven, when God says something that is actually, when you look at it, considered theologically problematic on many levels, but that's also for another time that you can explore on your own. So chapter seven opens when God says to Moshe, I'm going to place you as an Elohim, right? So Aaron, your brother will be your prophet. And here's, you're going to tell all of these things, but God says in three, Ani et lev paro. I am going to harden Paro's heart that I may multiply my signs and marbles in the land of Egypt. And when Paro doesn't heart what does not listen to you, I will lay my hand upon Egypt and deliver my ranks, my people, the Israelites, with extraordinary chastisements. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord your God when I stretch my hand over Egypt and bring out the Israelites in their midst. Now, so what we know from here is that part of God's goal in the process of the plagues and in the entire Exodus is for the Egyptians to know that God is indeed God. God is the most powerful God. And in order to accomplish that, Paro's heart needs to be hardened. Now, I think part of the underlying assumption here is that Paro's heart needs to be hardened because any rational leader wouldn't allow it to reach that point otherwise. There needs to be some interference from God to prevent Paro from sending them out and for them being able to reach the point where the entire society essentially destructs and they can all witness the exodus from Egypt. Now, as I said, that's a theologically complicated statement, but that's for another time. But what I think we need to focus on here right now is, as we just said, the fact that otherwise, it probably would not have reached that point. But at the same time, that does not mean, I think, that we necessarily then say, well, Paro was a good leader and this is only because God hardened his heart that was able to reach that point. Now, what some people note also is that in the beginning of the story, when Paro's heart is hardened, it says, V'chazak lev Paro, or V'chabed lev Paro. It's passive. His heart was hardened. doesn't say God did it. Later, God does it. Then it's V'chazak Hashem at lev Paro. That that God had to harden it. Maybe at that point we reached the point where even Paro himself, though he was stubborn, would have said, all right, die, this is enough, I'm done. So let's look at the beginning of the story when Paro's heart does harden, not by God, but it just hardens on its own and look at exactly what happened. Now, what's interesting is that the first four times that Paro's heart actually does harden in real time, what we just talked about was God saying what was gonna happen. The first four times it actually does happen, his heart is hardened, but it's followed by the lo shama alehem. He didn't listen to them. 
And what I wanted to now do is look at those four times. So the first time that Paro's heart hardens and he doesn't listen to someone is when Moshe and Aaron approach Paro initially. This is before the plagues. They're coming to Paro to really introduce this idea of saying, let my people go worship me in the wilderness. And as part of that, what God has prepared them for, they produce the signs. Aaron cast down his mate, he cast down his rod, and it turns into a serpent. Now, then Paro calls to his chachamim, to his wise men, to his machshifim, to his sorcerers, and then to the chartumim, to his magicians. And the chartumim come, and they're able to turn their staffs into snakes as well. All right, good. So what do we have so far? Moshe and Aaron can do magic. Nice. So can the Khartoumim. Big deal. But then Aaron's rod comes along and swallows theirs. Now, that should have served as a sign that Aaron and Moshe are coming from a place that is more powerful than the Egyptians because Aaron's rod is able to swallow theirs. But not... Paro doesn't take it to heart, literally. Um, and the Pasuk says, Paro's heart was strengthened, and he didn't listen to them as God had spoken. So that is our first scenario. The second time this happens is immediately afterwards. Moshe gets to Paro and says, we said, let my people go, but you haven't listened. And so they turn the Nile into blood. And of course, the consequences, as the text tell us, of the Nile turning into blood is that the fish die, and also no one can drink the water of the Nile. But Paro's response isn't to say, oh, you're right, or even to ask them un to undo it. He calls to his heart to meme, look, they can do it too. And so his heart stiffens, and he didn't listen. <speaking in Hebrew> But then the text also tells us something interesting, that his own people, meaning Paro's own people, were digging around out in different places in the Nile for drinking water. So remember, in the first scenario, Moshe and Aaron are clearly more powerful because the rod swallows them. In the second scenario, now we actually have facts on the ground. The water is blood. The fish are dead, but there's still some water available to the people. Then we move to the third time. Paro, well, we've had the, the plague of Tzvardea, the second plague. Um, the, the, the Khartoumim come along and they're also able to produce frogs. And then Paro pleads with Moshe to remove the frogs. He does, well, he doesn't remove them, they die. And then they're able to make piles of them, but, and they stink, the land stinks. Um, and so at that point, Paro sees that there's some relief and his heart was strengthened and he didn't listen to what God said. So that's the third time. The fourth time is immediately after that, the, the third plague. Aaron brings about kinim, lice. And now the Khartoumim, they can't even replicate it. Everyone is afflicted, and the Khartoumim, they can't even also make lice. And so they have this amazing response. This is the finger of God. But what's Paro's response? Paro's heart was strengthened, and he didn't listen 
to them according to what they according to what God said. So those are our four cases. Before the three plagues and with the rods, the first plague with the dam, the second with the Svardea, and then the third with the keening with the lice. Now let's do a, a moment of analysis on this. So the first time, as we said, what the it proved with Aaron's rod eating the rods of the Khartoumim, this was a statement of power, but also a statement at the time that had no consequence. There were no plagues. No one was suffering. This was a conversation that happened in a boardroom, so to speak, with no real-life consequences. And so Paro can choose not to listen to it, and he does. He won't listen to it. His heart strengthens. He won't pay attention to this incident. The second time it happens, the fact, there are actual real serious facts on the ground. The Nile is full of blood. The fish are dead. People can't drink. It's terrible. That's a really big consequence. But things are not totally desperate yet for two reasons. First of all, the Khartoumim can replicate it which shows that this isn't something entirely out of the power of Egypt, out of the realm of Egypt, but also the Egyptians can still find drinking water elsewhere. They aren't, it's a major inconvenience and it's disgusting, but it's not a moment of total desperation yet. Now, the third time, yes, the Khartoumim with the frogs, the Khartoumim can replicate it, but even though the text doesn't say it, I think we should infer that the Khartoumim are unable to remove the frogs. Because right after they replicate it, Paro summons Moshe and Aaron and says, plead with God to remove the frogs. We get the impression that the, the plague itself in the Torah is a little bit mysterious, which lends itself to lots of rabbinic interpretation about what exactly the frogs are. So we don't totally know exactly what it meant, but it's clear that it was oppressive because Paro's pleading with Moshe and Aaron to remove the frogs, which indicates, just like with Dan, the, the Hartimim, yes, they can replicate it, but they can't remove it. But also... There's no alternate water source, so to speak, like with the Nile. The frogs are everywhere, and we get the impression that it's unbearable, especially because once Moshe does plead with God and then the frogs die, they're still heaped up and stinking, but there's a modicum of relief with Paro. And that is what enables him to strengthen his heart again and not listen. Just like with the dam, he knows, okay, at least the Egyptians have drinking water elsewhere. That doesn't mean things are good. It's still terrible, but at least it's not totally desperate yet. And now with the frogs, yes, they're stinking frogs anywhere. It must be disgusting, but at least the frogs are dead. And so now he won't listen. And now the fourth time, Aaron brings about lice. It's everywhere. We can only imagine just how awful it was. The Khartoumim, whose power is clearly already limited, is now entirely diminished. They can't replicate this plague. And they see what is right in front of them. And we can imagine how much boldness and bravery and, and desperation, in fact, it must have taken from them to turn to Paro and say, Etzba Elohimhi. This is the finger of God. They see the truth. They tell Paro the truth to his face. The facts are now on the wall. But still, he strengthens his heart, and once again, he won't listen. Now, from this, that's the last time that we see the heart strengthening, right immediately followed by the lo shama, and he didn't listen. Afterwards, it's now, and Paro's heart strengthened, or God strengthened Paro's heart, and he refused to let them go, or he didn't send them. 
What we see here is that this time with the lice is the last time that Paro even had a window of being able to change about, to change his mind and to let them go. It's like we see a transition here with the strengthening of the heart. We began with Paro having people showing him and telling him, hey, there's limitations on this, or hey, people are suffering. He chose not to listen. And but that that closed the door on his ability, his opportunity to listen in the future. We see his refusal to listen brought him to the point where there was no one even left to listen to anymore and that he wouldn't even entertain that ability. His heart strengthened. And I think this is really a fascinating insight into the progression of the breakdown of a leader. It, his heart, the fate wasn't sealed at the beginning. If it was sealed, if God really wanted this to be back in the beginning of chapter seven, all about God strengthening Paro's heart so this could play out, then right away we would be told before the plagues even start, yeah, Paro's, God strengthened Paro's heart. The deed was done. The fate was sealed. But we see here the fate wasn't sealed. There were still people to listen to. There was evidence for Paro to look at and to see, you know what? God is a lot stronger than me. I may be strong. I may have my heart to mean, but God is still stronger. And it's clear that my people are suffering enormously and that I'm just going to bring about further trouble. But each time he found shreds of evidence on which to hinge his refusal. Well, there's still a little bit of drinking water or they can still at least replicate the frogs. And he wouldn't listen. And even when it reaches the point with the lice where there's nothing left to, to hinge your hopes on, that your own magicians are saying, this is Elohim, this is God, this isn't just magic. We can't replicate this. We can't compare to this. Still, Paro refused to listen. And it, from then on, it was a point of no return. He lost his window of even a shred of rationality, of being able to change his mind. And from now on, we just see this period, this, this existence of such extreme denial and stubbornness that it only comes, it will only reach a place of complete self-destruction, even to the point where Paro's own son dies because he is living in his own world of a strengthened heart and not seeing, not even giving himself the opportunity to see what is written on the wall right in front of him. And he's the really serves as the classic model of refusing to see what's right in front of you, refusing to see that maybe things are changing. Maybe you aren't as powerful as you thought you were. Maybe you have to compromise. Maybe you have to admit you were wrong. And he is in such denial and such refusal that he, in order to preserve that, that sense of self, he's going to take down himself, his children, and his entire society which is exactly what happens. All of Egypt is destroyed. And then even when they chase after the Israelites at the Yam Suf, the entire military is destroyed as well. All because Paro wouldn't look around and accept what was right in front of him. Shabbat Shalom.